Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. 5-5 rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 29 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Once again, a little breaking news within the hour. Former Notre Dame slugger Trey Mancini traded by the Baltimore Orioles to the Houston Astros in a three-team deal for Cub fans. Wilson, Contreras, Ian Happ are still Chicago Cubs, although reliever Scott Efros traded to the New York Yankees today. So a little movement for the Chicago Cubs. We're going to talk Notre Dame basketball, Notre Dame football with a gentleman who covers both of those for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Patrick Engel rejoins the program on this Monday evening. Patrick, good to catch up with you. How are you today? Great, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, fall camp starting on Friday for the Fighting Irish football team, and we'll get to plenty of football talk here in just a moment. Let me start with a couple of Notre Dame basketball questions. You cover the Irish for Blue and Gold Illustrated. First off, Marcus Burton from Penn High School is the first Notre Dame basketball commitment for the class of 2023. The Irish have had some good luck with local players joining their basketball program. I guess right now when you read some of the star systems, some have him with zero stars, which means he probably has not been fully evaluated by the personnel. Some have him as a three-star. As you take a look at what Mike Bray's trying to do with the class of 2023, adding Burton, what's kind of your reaction to what has happened over the last week? Yeah, Burton was a guy who was on their radar from most of this summer, long before they had offered him uh, just six days ago, I believe it was, uh, who they just kind of saw in the evaluation periods in June with Penn and in July with Mac Urban Fire on the Nike UIBL AAU circuit. And, you know, a lot of those times I saw him. He just kept kind of putting good games together, really impressing as a scorer. He's a, a really, really skilled scorer who was, as a junior, the fourth leading scorer in the entire state, uh, no, no matter the classification. Really, really skill with the ball in his hands and his ability to separate with a pretty good first step. And you know, I think that's starting to really kind of show out in his junior year and then in front of college coaches in the evaluation periods. And you know, I think eventually Notre Dame saw enough to say, let's, you know, let's host him on a visit. But he left that with an offer. And from there it was, it was pretty quick and he committed three days later. And yeah, like you mentioned, they're not the highest profile per se in terms of stars or Notre Dame was his only high major offer. I really started getting, the Division One offers right at the end of that junior high school season. But this is going to be a big class that Notre Dame probably signs just with all the fifth-year seniors and those guys in their last year of eligibility, especially in the backcourt. 
who are going to be moving on. So this is a time where you want to bring in a big guard class and the class where you want to try to take some swings maybe uh, on someone like Burton, who's smaller. And I imagine that's kind of what maybe gave some other high major coaches some pause, but really, really skilled offensive arsenal, uh, good passer as a point guard, sees the floor, has a good feel for the game, and someone who I think can, you know, this is the class to maybe take that chance per se, but still a guy with uh, some real scoring upside here, even if uh, the rankings might not you know, hint at a, a particularly flashy ad. I agree with you. I think his 5'11 frame probably caused people to be patient in their evaluation of Marcus Burton. Now, he always wanted to go to Notre Dame, so it probably doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I think you're probably going down a, a pretty good path there. Patrick, let me just ask you about the basketball open practice, you and other media members had the chance to watch. I think a lot of Irish fans are wondering right now, Paul Atkinson is gone. That's really the big guy inside that provided you some buckets. Now, Nate Lashevsky is a, is a big guy, but more of an outside threat, obviously, on the offensive end. The Irish tried to add a big guy in the transfer portal. It just doesn't work out. As you take a look at the freshman class, Patrick, is there anything you saw from that freshman class or maybe a developing player that could help fill that void loss with Paul Atkinson now uh, moving on to professional basketball? Yeah, you know, it's funny in a, a roster where half the team is in grad school and maybe is Mike Bray's oldest, and we know how much pride he takes on building an old roster – you kind of get the sense that a lot of it might come down to where a couple freshmen can take them. And that's J.J. Starling, of course, the guard from Lobby Mayor, McDonald's All-American, uh, five-star recruit. But in, in the middle there, with replacing Atkinson, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Van Allen Lubin has been getting a lot of the work there. Another freshman, uh, top 75, I think, across all the major uh, recruiting services, if I'm not mistaken. And not really sure I saw that coming as much, considering he was a you know, mostly a wing or a a power wing combo forward, whatever you want to call it uh, in high school in Orlando there, but he's been playing the five and looked, looked like a freshman in in designation only in the sense that for a guy who wasn't really a true center in high school, looked to be pretty comfortable there. Now looked to have kind of filled out and he's a a pretty solid uh, six, eight. He was listed at six, eight, two twenty back in the fall when Notre Dame signed him Uh, looked definitely about that. But even if he's not going to be a big, back to the basket, maybe post-up guy, at least right away, like Paul Atkinson was, still someone who should be pretty sturdy on defense in there, maybe provide a little bit of shot blocking, rim protection as a, as a help defender. But really, you're impressed with the athleticism and some of the ball handling and the, and the reach he can make as a passer there to help you think you create some mismatches when you know he might play some of the bigger, more traditional centers in the ACC. There might be some tough nights there playing defense with them, but uh, I think he's still someone who kind of gives Notre Dame a chance of being able to create some five-out mismatches and, and play off Nate Lashevsky pretty well. So that was the most intriguing and, and maybe thing I didn't see coming. Starling looking the part, you wanted to see it, but yeah. I think the expectation all along was that given the, the ranking and the accolades and the track record, he was going to be a big part of this thing. He is Patrick Engel, covers Fighting Irish basketball and Fighting Irish football for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Now, I'm basing this on one practice, which – Obviously, a lot of other things can happen in the other practices, but the one practice you saw, did anybody stand out? Did anybody catch your attention or surprise you? Yeah, I think those two freshmen really were uh, kind of the the head turners there. And, and Starling, yeah, like the, a really uh, 
known as a polished uh, recruit who's, who's game in, in both the AAU circuit and at La Lumiere certainly reflected that. But you saw just how comfortable he already looked, uh, the reads he's able to make, uh, the comfort he had oper- operating as a, a point guard. So I think just how quickly that's kind of come together and kind of the realization of like, yeah, this is about what you would have expected, but it still looks really impressive. Uh, I think was another important thing for him to figure out. And at least to me, uh, you know, part of a, a, a really a standout in that, in that one practice who's going to be relied a lot on to help run Notre Dame's offense. Let's move to football, Patrick. The first practice coming up on Friday, Marcus Freeman will speak to the media coming up on Friday. As we enter fall camp, let me ask you about the Irish offensive line and your expectations. There is a bit of a vibe that Zeke Carell, based on his success in the spring, could be the team's starting center with Jared Patterson, who is a terrific center, moving to the guard position. Do you feel like that's going to happen? Is there something else that could happen on the offensive line that could change their thinking? As of now, I think that's how they're going to open up fall camp. And, yeah, it was really Patterson's uh, pack injury that sidelined him in spring, gave Jacquel an opportunity at center, which I think we saw in 2020 late in the year that was his best position where he played pretty well in a couple of starts in place of Patterson, including in the college football playoff. And was kind of able to recapture that after – moving back to center from guard where he started a couple uh, six games last year. And no, I, I don't think at this point anything would change it as far as the first practice. Obviously they'll see how you know, fall camp goes and, you know, you never know exactly what happens there, but yeah, uh, you get the feeling that that's what Notre Dame is at least right now operating under the assumption of it's, it's best five and that sure Patterson might be definitely is Notre Dame's best center because he's probably the country's best returning center, but at the same time, uh, I think Notre Dame's kind of come to the conclusion that Patterson at left guard and Carell at center is better for the entire operation and the entire five than Patterson at center and somebody else at left guard. So that would be something would have to change their thinking in that regard uh, to make them, I think, uh, kind of shuffle that, that lineup of Joe Alt, Jared Patterson, uh, Zeke Carell, Josh Log, and Blake Fisher left to right there. I'm thinking back to 2018, Patrick, when I was covering the Irish, and after they lost to Clemson, I felt like they needed to improve their slot position play and also their nickel cornerback play. I feel like they did not have enough explosive players in those spots. Now, there were other things on the team that needed to get better. Don't get me wrong, but I watched Clemson, and their slot receiver was such a dynamic player. So I've been kind of wanting the Irish to get a little more dynamic in the slot, which brings me to this question. Avery Davis was the slot guy until he went down with an ACL injury. He's back. Lorenzo Styles looked really good in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State with the eight catches and a touchdown. I'm really intrigued by Styles in the slot. Now, I know he can play other wide receiver positions, and they'll probably move him around, Patrick, but I was just wondering if you could evaluate your thoughts on what the Irish have at the slot position, and where do you think Lorenzo Styles fits in in this wide receiving core? Yeah, those two names you just mentioned, I think, are going to be, you know, pretty prominent uh, names there at slot receiver. Davis, uh, certainly dependable. Uh, you saw how quickly that Jack Cohn was able to trust him at the beginning of, of last year when some other things at receiver were still kind of working through it before Kevin Austin really hit his stride week to week. So I, I think you're going to see that he'll be 
still part of the next era as soon as he's back. But, yeah, Styles, absolutely. I mean, he played there after Davis got hurt last year, and you think of someone, him as someone who can kind of move around the, the entire offense and, and be able to create mismatches at, at any of those spots, uh, especially if you get him on some slot corners or safeties from there. So I think you'll see that, too, just as you saw Kevin Austin uh, line up in the slot mm-hmm. there last year. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I want to say between 8 to 10% of his routes – we're from the slide, if I'm remembering the pro football focus stat correctly. But certainly, you'll hear, I think you'll see multiple guys come in there again, whether that's maybe a, like a Tobias Merriweather big slot situation, if that's a way they can mm. get him in the freshman who's early on, I think, off to a good start. But we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there in fall camp. Uh, I haven't seen Braden Lindsay there a ton, but still one of the faster receivers on the team. So, yeah, I'm curious to see exactly how that shakes out. But I would imagine that a lot of the, the snap distribution there would be between uh, Davis with Styles in there and, and maybe a couple of others. Let's move to tight end. We all know about Michael Mayer, All-American candidate, probably a first-round pick next spring. We anticipate a huge junior season from Michael Mayer. But the number two tight end position seems to be one of the position battles that we have to keep an eye on during fall camp. I I guess my sense is, and I could be wrong, that a guy like Kevin Bauman could be the leading candidate based on, gosh, he always looked good during fall practice when the media was there, of course, injured last year. But then you got Kane Verong coming off an injury. He seems to be coming on strong as a possible candidate. Maybe he's a wild card. How do you evaluate the choices the Irish have right now at the number two tight end spot behind Michael Mayer? Yeah, that's kind of one of the deeper cut fall camp things to watch. Maybe not the most consequential. I think everybody wants to see how quarterback shakes out and receiver and offensive line and all that. But one that's interesting, just because you don't, know a whole lot about the guys or at least they don't have a ton of game reps and snaps combined but all pretty interesting and intriguing athletes there at tight end between uh, uh, Bauman like you mentioned whether it's just in injuries or depth chart that just didn't really give him much of a shot at getting on the field uh, the first couple of years uh, Barong like you said a guy who was kind of pushing to maybe avoid a redshirt before that ACL tear last October uh, getting should be back at full health now was not cleared in the spring. And then the freshmen, Eli Reardon, Holden Stays, weren't spring enrollees there in June. Early returns there seem to be pretty good, but that's just in summer workouts. Again, we'll see what happens when you get it in fall camp. But Reardon himself uh, had a schedule in an ACL uh, tear recovery of his own, who should be, uh, I think, a pretty close to full, if not full participant in fall camp. So really, I think it'll, all of those guys will really get a chance. But definitely uh, Bauman having been there in the spring and just been able to put up an impression there that by and large I think was you know, pretty positive for him. Uh, certainly a name to watch for wrong. Absolutely. So I think I can see that one shaken out a number of ways, but uh, yeah, uh, if you, if you maybe handicap it going into practice one, you just feel like you give Bauman the edge, but I really could see kind of anything happening there just with a lot of those intriguing, but still not quite, you know, got to see him first and interesting athletes there behind him at tight end. I made a mistake yesterday, Patrick. I was flipping through the channels and the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl game was on. And it was at the point of the game where Ohio State was coming back with touchdowns left and right and watching Smith and Jigba and Harrison just absolutely torch the Utah defense. And, you know, the quarterback play was really good. The wide receivers were explosive. So 
I kind of had a little panic attack thinking ahead to that first game against Notre Dame. So I feel like now I have to ask you about the Irish cornerbacks, all familiar names that probably are going to line up in the starting spots. How comfortable do you think the Irish are with their cornerback play going into the season? Yeah, I think they're coming back with three pretty experienced guys in Cam Hart, Clarence Lewis, and Tariq Bracey there. Wouldn't would have a pretty hard time seeing anyone other than those three uh, starring uh, at the two outside corners and then slot with Brazy at Ohio State. But I think the main thing you really wanted to see there was, one, just kind of a bounce back in general for all of them, but especially Clarence Lewis after that tough Fiesta Bowl, which you know, I think you ask him and, and the, the coaches that we got to talk to in spring felt pretty good about how that process has went. But really, I think you want to see just more sustainable depth there where that was – really a, a three-man corner rotation the entire season, and you kind of saw that show up in the Fiesta Bowl where you didn't really have anybody to come in and give Lewis a breather or give Cam Hart, who'd been kind of playing on a bad knee in practice all week, uh, give him a breather. And that's the kind of thing you don't want to see repeated again where now you had a half the you know, six underclassmen corners where you had to have a couple guys from there emerge, do something, prove themselves as at least his capable backups rotation guys. I think you started to see that in the spring mill with Jaden Mickey, who's mm-hmm. going to at least keep the heat on that top three for a spot. Uh, I think you'll see him really make it a four-man rotation. And then Ryan Barnes there as the boundary corner and kind of a bigger body like Cam Hart, who I think you can be able to see him at least give come in and, and give a guy a break for a drive or so there. And, yeah, really I think you want to see the corner depth round out as much as the the ceiling or the improvement overall go up for the starters and I think there was some room to do that especially with Hart who I thought had a pretty good yeah. first season and promising first season as a starter with still some room to go for grow for him all right Patrick two more quick ones for you number one heading into fall camp on Friday give me one player you're really interested in seeing on the practice field for the Fighting Irish yeah, I think Tyler Buckner is kind of the obvious one, mm-hmm. but it almost feels too obvious. <laughs> so I'll give you a, a a different one there, just for variety's sake. And you look at Tobias Merriweather, the freshman receiver, who you look at receiver as a position with just lower on bodies overall and lower on proven playmakers. And I think you're going to see Styles play or grab a starting job and play a lot. Davis be involved in it when he's back, but really looking for a bigger body boundary type of guy to replace Kevin Austin. Uh, Deion Colsey spring kind of maybe said, I still have some, some growth to do there. And, you know, maybe it's a year away or definitely left to at least open uh, the opportunity there for Meriwether to come in and carve out a role. And fits that description of a big body six, four track athlete whose acceleration in the open field is really, really impressive for a guy his size. So wouldn't be surprised if he can make a move and, you know, I think that's as far as most interesting or just you know interesting besides the obvious candidate there in Buckner, uh, a guy I certainly will have my eye on. All right, final question. You're a Chicago guy, which was the home of Siskel and Ebert, one of the legendary uh, duo who used to evaluate movies back in the day. You might be too young to know who they are, but gosh, they had their own TV show and they'd break down all the films, thumbs up, thumbs down. So I'm curious, since you're a Chicago guy, what was your reaction to the hangover jersey reveal that Notre Dame had last week? Thumbs up? Oh, that was phenomenal. Just <laughs> all the props in the world for the Fighting Irish Media and the Notre Dame creative team there. Just really, really well done. <laughs> 
I like what so somebody said up. the other day. For people you know, across the country, either love Notre Dame or you don't like Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman's making Notre Dame kind of cool right now, isn't he? That's that's really it. The, the, the cool factor around the entire program in the last you know, eight months or so uh, has really risen just with the yeah. natural you know, disposition that he brings every day. Why don't you mention to our listeners the – Full court press, I guess, the Blue and Gold Illustrator will be putting on Notre Dame Fall Camp, which starts on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, you know, we'll have our, our full staff out there with myself, Tyler Horka, Ashton Pollard, Todd Burledge out there for Friday's first practice, which is fully open. And I believe the nine others that we'll have at least some kind of full access to. So you can find us all at blueandgold.com. Still t- time to join and subscribe for your first year for only a dollar. Don't miss it. Can't beat it. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Patrick, good to catch up with you. And I know as we get closer to the season, I think we're going to restart our conversation. So really looking forward to that and my partnership with Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You guys do an amazing job and looking forward to a great football season. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. You bet. You betcha. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. That's Patrick Engel, covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. It is nine minutes in front of six o'clock. More sports beat coming up right after this on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Fixing your pet is as. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 